Brady. Welcome back to the House of Wolves podcast. This is, what is this, episode five? I don't even know. I think it's episode five, so I'm going to go with that. If it's not, i put it in the description. But um, this is your host here, Deontay, uh, with my friends Jalen and Joshua. And we come to you uh, bi-weekly with some updates on news revolving gaming. This time we got a little caveat because <laughs> uh, my main man, uh, Big Shine, dropped the album. So um, we going to talk about that uh, as well. You know, that's a little offbeat for us, but, um, you know, when, when, when you, they drop greatness, you got to recognize and you got to understand what it is, man. So uh, <laughs> the Square Enix boys don't feel that same way. They don't, they don't, they don't share that sentiment. But uh, I definitely know that uh, we got some good stuff to talk about today. Uh, man, big shine, your boy, call him up, man. Call him up right now. Man. <laughs> We ain't ready for we ain't ready for guests just yet. Man, call him up right now and talk to him. Huh? <laughs> uh, but we got uh, four topics we gonna be talking about is Kingdom Hearts franchise, uh, the importance of backwards compatibility, uh, the, the the Nvidia three thousand series cards dropping, and then again, lastly, it was gonna talk about that Big Sean album. Uh, but starting off let me, let me start with the easy one let's go with let's go with uh kingdom hearts uh oh first first let me let me say hello to the people y'all let me let me let, let them distinguish y'all voices from who's who man what's good what's good it's your boy j boy JB's. <laughs> nah, nah what up y'all how y'all doing uh how y'all doing it's josh <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. That's all you get from me today. <laughs> y'all finna, yeah, y'all finna hear a piece of my mind. Not just for <laughs> yeah, but um, all right. Let's start about that Kingdom Hearts. Let's let's start there. What we um, what, so, so so what that mm-hmm. what brought Kingdom Hearts back into your uh your mind recently? Because last well, I checked, you. Yeah, it was more so you fanboys, and I just wanted to discuss it because we usually have conversations around Kingdom Hearts and you know franchises not you know living up to their full potential, and uh, you know Kingdom Hearts stuck in my mind because we were we were all kind of passionate about our stance on Kingdom Hearts, and I kind of wanted to bring that to the people, make sure they understood where we was coming from with Kingdom Hearts. If anything ever came up, because I know we spoke about it previously in like a very small case where we just was like we disregarded Kingdom Hearts, and I want to justify that, disre- you know, us disregarding it and not saying that it was like a good, good game, the last one at least. Oh so, yeah, you mean Kingdom Hearts three? Yeah. So I wanted to put some justification behind that and let the people know why we actually are saying stuff like, you know, Kingdom Hearts is trash. Well, I I'm saying it's trash. You guys are just saying that it was me. So um, let's start there. I guess my opinion on, I, I start with my opinion first and then I kind of go explanation. We all just give our opinions. Let's do that first. So my opinion on Kingdom Hearts 1, 2, and uh, 3, and pretty much all the other ones that was on um, side, you know, games, I attempted to play most of them. I did not succeed in that. Um, 
they are adamant that the Kingdom Hearts 2 is the best game. I did not get far in that one. I beat Kingdom Hearts 1 and I beat Rebirth in 365 days. Uh, not not Rebirth, it was like Chains. It was like Chain of Memories. Chain of Memories and I beat uh 365 days. So I played Man, you don't need you don't hold on. But you <laughs> You can't play that one. Yeah. Up. 365 days was a story, right? You just watch a movie. So what? I watched the movie. That means man, man. But <laughs> don't try to discredit me, dog. I got three under my belt. I got man, three under my belt. I'm not you that a three-hour video. I got three under my belt, G. Three. All right. And, and how would you feel about those three? Uh, Kingdom Hearts one. Uh, Kingdom Hearts Chains of Memory. Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> All them boys was fart noises. Like none of them was tight. I liked it. The card one, um, that was Chain of Memories, right? The card one had a little interesting take on it, but it was just kind of, it was still like a DS game. They trying to resell it to us, fifty dollars. I ain't like that. It was like forty, I believe. So I don't know. I just think Kingdom Hearts was overrated. I did not care for all of the. Um, I didn't care about most of the characters in that game um i didn't think that they did a good job of executing the story even though people say it was masterful and it was all this death and all this i think it was petty and and like really just wanted to get more money out of people so i was i I wasn't coming into it as a fan i didn't leave like becoming a fan it was more so um i knew what i was going to get and it was going to be ganked so that's kind of my opinion on the Kingdom Hearts franchise in a nutshell. Gank. That boy said he got gank. <laughs> so no lies told here. I do think that you played the wrong games, but regardless, like you said, you should still have fun whatever games you play. But I think that going into it, looking to find out. Find oh, I beat three too. I beat three. Okay. Yeah. But going in to find the gems that people are talking about and not going into like just enjoy the game can make your expectations um you know don't meet your expectations because i don't like playing kingdom hearts one but i think it's a a decent game for when it came out because it was 2001 and so for a game like that to come out it was a new idea it was interesting and things like that it wasn't until kingdom hearts 2 that they actually started to have more interesting characters interesting events and it seemed like they had this big plan um because really, it's only like three or four important Kingdom Hearts games, and the rest of them you can skip. And two is the main one, because that's the one that got people interested in Kingdom Hearts and for them to say it's such a good franchise. It wasn't because of 365, because it wasn't good when that came out. The car game one was fun, but that's the ps2 remake not the original gba version of it so it, the franchise overall is confusing but there are a couple of games in there that are just good games overall and at my two cents something he ain't tell you is he rushed the games man. he played them games he ain't even here just running through the games y'all. like man I was just like, bro, you got to take your time. You're going to get burnt out. He beat Kingdom Hearts 1 and Chain of Memories. Man, how fast you beat them games, dog? Uh, like three days? I don't remember. Three, like three like three days. I'm like, Kingdom Hearts 1 take 25 hours. That means 
<laughs> yes, that's a lot of time to be playing a game. But no, nah, I mean, like personally, when I play the game to rush it or whatever, like the hair get to the end, I'm missing things. I'm not submerging myself. You know what I'm saying? I'm missing out on overall. Like, you know, it's it's not as fun when you just rush through it. And that, that's fine, too. But um, my opinion, Kingdom Hearts 1 is similar to Josh. Um, I don't really care too, too much about it. It get better when you start getting some of those uh, special commands, like using Ragnarok or Ars or Kingdom and Sonic Blade and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, you got to be invested in the combat and wanting to go, like, you know, like fight people where you can really utilize them and stuff like finding, um, what's that, Kurt Zisa or fighting Sephiroth or Unknown, like, when you fight them, then you can be like, all right, now I'm really, now we really working or whatever. Like, like I said in a previous podcast, I like to have, like, challenging boss fights and different things like that where you can actually right, utilize, right. like, the game play. <laughs> Right. utilize the gameplay and stuff like that um and to be honest the most important games that i say in the kingdom Hearts series is i mean one two and birth by sleep um chain of memory is important too but it's a rehash of the first one so i mean really birth by sleep and then two those was like the key ones that should have been played but you had stopped on too um two that boy i'm telling you when that game pick up maybe Get that that oblivion. You fight Roxas, boy. <laughs> you be in, you be in that game working, bro. I'm trying to tell you, man. Because for the uh, longest time, people talk about two's combat as like th- they should make this game like Kingdom Hearts combat. And every time they talk about an RPG or any franchise, it should be like Kingdom Hearts combat. Because back in the early 2000s, the only RPG combat you had was that was really good was considered like Kingdom Hearts. And then on the complete opposite side is something like combo focused, like Devil May Cry. And most people don't like Devil May Cry style gameplay. They want something simple as in pressing buttons, but they got a lot of abilities and things that they can do to control the combat. Yeah, we didn't hear you. But yeah, like Josh said, that that RPG, that combat, when people, when they was making other Kingdom Hearts games, they're like, man, just put Kingdom Hearts 2 combat back in here, bro. Put all this other stuff, these three hit combos and commandments. Just put Kingdom Hearts 2 combat back in here and we good. Give us the reaction commands. Like the the battle them battles was like vivid, bro. Like you was just you was just in the field, man. Like you could really get in the field. It wasn't nothing limiting you. Like Dark Souls got some good action RPG combat, but like like Josh said, you either had them super combo heavy um type games where you just, you know, just doing a whole bunch of stuff. You trying to do score attack type stuff. Or you just have some simple, yet in-depth, you know what I'm saying, combat with the command menu, and you just go dumb. So, um, yeah. I think that you guys are overselling this game. Um, I think their combat system is basic. I think. Compared you don't think it ain't what you well? play now. Like, these games came out in 2004. <clears throat> I now. played, around that time, I was playing Devil May Cry 3. Or you don't think Kingdom Hearts, uh, what you call Devil it? Devil May Cry 1 was, was not that, was, was okay. Does Devil May Cry 2 was terrible. <laughs> Devil May Cry 3 had the better combat. That's good combat. But, but it's different. It's not RPG. So, it don't matter how many combos you're doing. It's because you're not really doing 
but is Kingdom Hearts really an RPG? Like, come on, no. Yes, you level yeah. up every level. You get stuff like you can't even die. I would call that pocket. a very, 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 very light RPG. You got no, you got right. stats on you there. You got items. You got levels. You got, the levels give you abilities. You, cho- you, you choose your route that you, you want to take. Like as far as your uh your level up trees and stuff like that, you can put abilities on there. You can take abilities off. You can change your weapons, switch your parameters. Like the more RPG mechanics. I mean, you can't change. You can't name your dude or create a character, but them action RPG mechanics. I suppose you got experience points. Like I give you that. Okay. And it it gets in depth too, though. Like when you start doing them, them battles, when the people just start running magic against certain bosses, and they boy, like, yeah, some some they they immune to this magic. They weak to this magic and doing that type of stuff. Like the game get in debt, bro. You, you you need to go watch some of them level one battles, bro. How they be fighting some of these people and running these little they be having revenge values and all that type of stuff, dude. They be like, Yeah, if you hit this combo, use a negative combo here, they gonna uh break out of it. You start you I'm like, man, these dudes is gods at this game, bro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I think Kingdom Hearts did not have and this is still my opinion after all that discussion after not playing to anything that was very interesting to me that i felt as if was so superior to anything else i played obviously i have to i can't go back in time and play that game like the way that everybody else played it when and like when it was probably a little bit more unique and fresh um but I think during that time there was other games that I played like Dante's Inferno. I played games, but th- I know you they're not RPGs, they're just action. But they were they were running into this realm of like, you know, action games yet they did not have the depth or the like the entertainment of that. It was just more so they had okay combat and they had the Disney license. So which they did not use in a proper way anyway. It didn't make any sense. They didn't have to have the Disney characters in that game at all. It was just pointless. But um they had I mean, they had I the think, license. Yeah. What did, what what was so what was so unique about having those Disney characters in there, Josh? Go ahead, tell me. What other franchises like that? Cuz like Square Enix they were more adult focused, you know, t- high, late teenagers, early adults. Like we focus on RPGs with serious stories. And they wanted a kid-friendly franchise. And the closest thing that you can get to kid-friendly is like Nintendo. And I think, I might have read somewhere wrong, but they wanted to do something with Nintendo. And Nintendo said no. And eventually they ended up working with uh, Disney. And so um, they went back and forth to come up with ideas. And they just decided to put the characters together. And it made sense for that time for it to be a kid-friendly game like you got Winnie the Pooh and everybody running around but you also have these RPG characters so for a kid you know our age who was like 10 or whatever when this came out if you didn't know about Japanese RPGs but you recognize these things it might get you into them I mean and really the the story didn't revolve around them it's just gameplay like you go to the Tron world and it gives you different gameplay like you, you can uh, you race cars and you fly planes and things like that to give it fun so it's not just your st- standard RPG stuff like go to the village and help the people like it's no boring side quest in the story even though yeah you know the story of Toy Story so it might be boring if you don't care about Toy Story 
but at least it's it's very gameplay and you don't have to do the same thing twice and it put a spin on things too like when uh when Zaldan had took Beast's roles and he was trying to turn him into a heartless so he could have like a strong nobody and like they they was intertwining that stuff better they like i said before they intertwine the, the disney characters better in kingdom hearts 2 than they did in kingdom hearts 1. kingdom hearts 1 was very similar to kingdom hearts 3 how they tied in disney characters versus in kingdom hearts 2 they actually play a more of an important role in um and uh they played more of an important role in kingdom hearts 2 in their worlds than they did in kingdom hearts 1 and 3 because 1 and 3 was just looking like all right, yeah, we here to just mess some stuff up. Yeah, it was um, kind of like this heart was backdrops and stuff like that, but it didn't have anything to do with the actual world. So, for example, in two, you go to Mulan world, mm-hmm. and you know the story of Mulan, and you kind of go through that story. But um, you know, Sora's there, so he experiences it, and it makes it more interesting because they go through the entire movie, so the world seems big. And then when you go back later they have a completely new story. And so it further prejudices it out. So same thing with Lion King, like you do the normal Lion King story and then you go back and it has a completely new story. Whereas like Kingdom Hearts 3 is just, we want you to go through Frozen and then that's it. Like there's nothing interesting there. You're just going through this movie that you already saw. Yeah, like, and if you don't, it didn't feel like, all right, if I go, if I didn't go through Frozen, what's gonna happen? Like. It's just like y'all was just making me do something versus in Mulan, you have to go back there. You have to go back and stop a heartless. You have to go seal the keyhole there because um, I for, I think it was something in Kingdom Hearts 2 where I don't know if they became unsealed or I don't remember. It was like in the midpoint of the game and stuff when you had to go fight the organization and a thousand heartless. Like, man, they had you fighting a thousand heartless, bro. Come on now. <laughs> man, we was in that field using a rising sun and sprinkle. What is that? Sparkle ray or something? Is and they're going dumb. Now I got sidetracked, but uh, yeah, bro, it was just they 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 did a lot better with the story in King of Hearts 2. That's why everybody's disappointed with King of Hearts 3 because we just expected more from the story. Intertwined battles, you had Demix or Demix, whatever he was running around like in the uh underworld Coliseum. You had Orin down there, you had the uh fight man. It, it was just like you had like Final Fantasy characters intertwined and stuff. and Oh yeah, and it came to Hearts Three. They ain't even had a Final Fantasy characters in there. I'm like, man, you gotta go fight Cloud, dude. You gotta. I'm like, man, they be going dumb in this game, bro. <laughs> yeah, a lot of Final Fantasy characters were the best boss fights because it gave you're fighting a character who has as many like abilities as you. So when you fight Sephiroth, you gotta f- use all your abilities. Otherwise, he's just gonna kill you in three hits. And that's that's what made it interesting because you don't have you're not invincible. You can't you don't have your teammates when you're fighting these boss fights is one on one and you got to just get good. Um, yeah. Hey, fight Zach on birth by sleep, bro. He used some like <laughs> darkness thing, bro. Bro, I remember when I, I first started that fight, boy, he, he did some type of little darkness charge or something like that. He cleared me out with the quickness, bro. I'm like. Man, what am I supposed to do, man? I'm like, we got another Sephiroth over here? Like, like, come on, bro. But, yeah, yeah man. When you fight at the end of um, Bird Fight Sleep, is it um, Linger, not Lingering Will, it's uh, the fake... Um, the Vanita Sentiment. 
Yeah, Benita's sentiment. He, he, I swear he killed me in one hit. Man, <laughs> no, he be cheating, bro. I don't know what type of modifier, damage, reduction, stat parameters he got because when you hit him with moves and they don't do nothing, I remember people beating him with tornado and stuff like that, and it was just weird, man. And he just he would like black your screen out if he hit you. That game was just clunky, though. It was, yeah, that that game was some of them games. I would <laughs> say bosses. like I do agree that. Kingdom Hearts overall as a franchise is not um, doesn't live up to the hype because like I say I would say Kingdom Hearts two was its peak, and the reason people cared about Kingdom Hearts three is because when you finish Kingdom Hearts two, it was a really fun game and it leaves not on like a cliffhanger but it leaves a lot of questions and they have a, a teaser trailer at the end if you go through and you do all the hard stuff it gives you a teaser. For the next game. Everybody thought it was Kingdom Hearts 3. And it's going to come out in 2006 or something like that. Eventually that ended up not happening. And the teaser was just for Birth by Sleep. The PSP game. The combat in that one is not as good. But the story and characters are interesting. But then after that. The next like four games don't really matter. And then Kingdom Hearts 3 came out. And it's lackluster. So... Overall, yeah, the franchise is not not that great. Okay, well, to sum it all up, the Square Enix boys gonna uh, defend to the end. They understand that three wasn't as great as the rest, and they uh, definitely put out some valid points. End of the day, the game still, in my opinion, was trash. This is uh, again Deontay yeah, I'm, here I'm and the host. I'm just to go beat Sephiroth and then we can uh, talk. Man, <laughs> it was trash. Um, but I understand that what they were referring to, and that does make sense of why you guys will probably enjoy those others more, and that's why you probably felt as if these were, you know, iconic games. I didn't have that experience. Going back to it, it didn't age well, in my opinion. Maybe two probably did more than one. But, um, yes, I was rushing through it. Yes, I was trying to get it be done before three came out. Because I actually wanted to know if this story was interesting. No, it wasn't interesting, in my opinion. But that is not that is just my own opinion. So, um, obviously, Jalen and Josh enjoyed it. And they enjoyed a lot of pieces of it. And they liked the nuggets. But we got to move forward because we are ready 23 minutes in and uh, i'm done talking about and just, just go square up at a uh, hollow bastion man King of hey, don't 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 forget kingdom hearts 3 had me driving at 3 a.m from chicago to make sure y'all get home man don't forget yeah, what kingdom yeah, hearts yeah, yeah. was kingdom Hearts saved our life but guess what <laughs> yeah that's what i give that kingdom hearts but uh moving forward um speaking of these you know iconic older games that we enjoy to revisit you know especially us us tryhards that's just trying to you know get cool points for beating it at you know level one or whatever uh backwards compatibility uh has been coming up a lot more because of playstation not nobody confirmed it ubisoft tried to confirm it or basically stated that playstation 2 3 um, games won't be available for PlayStation 5 for backwards compatibility or to be functional, essentially. Um, which everybody went into a frenzy again. The press loved it, eat it up, blah, blah, blah. But um, I just kind of wanted to go over the importance of it and seeing what was you guys' perspective of, 
you know, being able to play those older generation games and just general thoughts, raw thoughts right now. I don't really want to give my opinion. I just kind of want to hear what you guys think about, you know, backwards compatibility and what's your um, thoughts around it. Shoot, backwards compatibility. Um, I feel like it's always a thing that's a plus. Um, I don't know. I can't really say I care. I, I care about it, man, but it's just like, I feel like the way media and technology and stuff is evolving, it's like more than one way to skin a cat, per se. Like, um, I used to care about backwards compatibility more so with like the, you know, the PS3, the Wii, and like the 360 and stuff like that. But when you see how like some of the games played, it started kind of like faltering. I remember like Halo used to, I don't remember if it was like tearing or something. Like if you tried to play Halo on the 360, um, Sometimes, like, when I wanted to play GameCube games on the Wii, it was just, like, an extra step. Like, I need to go plug in a GameCube controller and, you know, and then the PS3, you had to have a certain one that it, it only could play, like, I think it could only, um, I think it can only play, like, PlayStation 1 games or something. Or, no, I think the PS3 the could original only play. could play all of them, but once you got the later models, it... it you only can download them from PSN. Yeah, and then I think it can only play... It can't play PS2 games, but I think it can play PS1 games, which is weird. Like, And I was just kind of like, I don't... So it basically what I'm saying is it just started faltering a little bit. It started losing its, like, its luster. Um, and I didn't care too much about it because they would bring the game back, like, on the PS4. As long as the price was straight, like, you know, it's like $10, $15 and stuff. I got money now because you know i'm older and stuff like i don't need to keep my games i can just download them and stuff like that and just play them on there it's not that that big of a deal versus keep hanging on to a disc for it to you know come back and stuff like that um so my my opinion on it basically is that it's cool to have is definitely a plus am i gonna pay the extra money to have backwards compatibility Probably not unless it's like a revolutionary game. I mainly wanted the backwards compatibility because I wanted to play Kingdom Hearts too. You know what I'm saying? I hung on to that game. But um, and then some of my GameCube games like Paper Mario and stuff like that. But now, I mean, they come, I got Mario Sunshine still and they coming out with that on the, the Switch. So I'm like, I just play that rather than going to go buy a Wii or a game. You know what I'm saying? Just stuff like that. It started becoming cluttersome. Mm. That's even a word. It starts becoming a nuisance versus you know actually having a, a a successful experience with it because you got to buy all this extra stuff to keep it going. All right, understandable. What about you, Josh? Um, like Jalen said, I think based on how we've gotten used to backwards compatibility working, I'm not that interested in it because I don't want to keep old discs and put them in my new system and expect them to work. Like that's not what I think what most people want. But obviously, there are a lot of old games that people care about and want to play. So if, for example, I bought Ghost of Tsushima on PS4 and I downloaded it, I would expect that when the PS5 comes out, that it's able to be downloaded because these are, at the end of the day, computers. And so it should function like a computer does. That application might have some time to be updated and things like that. It might be, not be ready day one. But there should be no reason that it can't be there. So for Sony not to really commit to not really commit to being able to uh, do that, then that's worrying because they did the same thing with the PS3 and PS4. 
where there's a lot of PSN games. They put all the old PS1 and PS2 games on PSN eventually. But then for PS4, all those games just disappeared. Same thing with same thing with Nintendo and uh, um, the eShop on the Wii U and stuff. They put a bunch of games on there, and none of those games are available on the Switch. And now you got to have a separate subscription for a tiny amount of those games. So I think it's just overall confusing, and it needs to be a better way to do it. Um, so at least what Microsoft is promising, where if you own this game at any point on uh, digital, it will be available in the future. And... If not, it should be on Game Pass. That is at least how I think it should function in the future. And it, it sucks that Sony is not committing to that. And, I, of course, I don't expect Nintendo to ever get to that point. But it it shouldn't just be Microsoft. Too. Sony should be doing it as well. Premium products, man. You know how Nintendo get down. Okay. So, your opinion, just to sum it up, in case anybody didn't understand that, is that yeah backwards compatibility is important important, however they do it yeah you just want it to be done in a proper way and the implementation has to be there and has to be smart in order for it to not be cumbersome to the consumer in order for it to work so that is my same sentiment there i understand Jalen's point but at this point now we're more so in a digital age where a lot of games are digital and uh backwards compatibility has become something that is a important to me enough where I'll rather buy a game digital than I'll rather than, than actually physical because I know I can always continuously play it throughout the years um, and that's the mindset Microsoft has put instilled in me I don't do that with via PlayStation because they they don't they have not committed to doing that and just like Jalen Josh like just like Josh said um, the implementation seems very funky where it's not going to work properly and they are very you know not forthcoming with their backwards compatibility system so right now microsoft is definitely getting a nod in regards to me being feeling safe like tony hawk pro skater one one and two i was gonna it doesn't really matter i was going to buy it on the xbox or the playstation but i was going to buy it on the xbox just simply because i was getting it digitally and I knew I was going to want to play it for a while. I wasn't going to end it on this generation. And I knew the Xbox was going to be able to run that game without any problems. And I knew that it was going to be something where they was going to continue to try to evolve their backwards compatibility system. Moving from the 360s from the Xbox, no, I wasn't really that pressed about it. And I didn't care about it that much because I didn't own that many games. And most of the time, I didn't have enough money to you know have games just sitting around if i'm trying to buy something i had to either sell the old games i had and it had to be recycled now i have the funds and the capability of keeping games that to the point where i am i'm buying most of my games physical because i know that these in these companies aren't going to let me keep going within this generation and i don't want my stuff locked to the council i'll rather have something that's continuous and updates with me um, as I move through systems. So with now with the um, Xbox, I feel comfortable buying 360 games digitally. I feel comfortable buying Xbox games digitally. I feel comfortable buying Xbox One games digitally. And they have, you know, changed my mindset as a consumer because I know these games are going to continue to play. So I 
I am now treating it like a PC versus when I used to think about it. I'm like, I never buy digital because I want, I want my money back, and I because nobody's gonna keep a game for forever. It's not like a point. So these these you know top tier games that I know I'm gonna play for a while, like Cyberpunk. I'm buying it digitally. I'm buying it digitally on the Xbox. Um, I mean, I could do it digitally on the PC, but I don't really feel like you know dealing with PC stuff at this point. I really just want to play the game, and I don't want to have a a bad experience while doing so so that's why the nod goes to the xbox and i know that these games are being made for consoles and then ported over to pcs um, and not the other way around um so that's why my mindset and and you know the importance of it i think it's extremely important at this point um i guess moving from the xbox one to the uh or moving from this generation to the next let me ask that same question again. I kind of we kind of got yours, Josh, but I want to ask that again to Jalen because I know he was talking about previous generations. What do you? What's your expectations moving forward from now that you kind of are in the space of digital and these consoles oh. having the ability to like you know, um, be they're basically our PCs. What do you? What, what's your What's your opinion around that? So, um, I guess I I, I kind of um, I resonate with y'all like with what y'all said. Um, I don't, my expectation, I, don't, I guess I don't really have any expectation at this point because, I mean, you know, if history going to repeat it, so they finna, like, falter when it comes to the uh, backwards compatibility reasons why, I don't know. But um, my, I would hope that, like they said, like y'all said, what uh, Microsoft is doing, any game that you own digitally at some point, it's going to be yours and you know what I'm saying you can always go back and play it at one point in time whether they got to you know update they store or you know what I'm saying whatever how kind of how they was uh, updating the games with the Xbox one like making them like 4k and all that type of stuff um and bringing certain games on or bring it to game pass or whatever so that that's my expect or not my expectation what I would hope for I would hope that other consoles like PlayStation will follow suit obviously Nintendo not going to do it because they just yeah, they're gonna they gonna keep making them soup them <laughs> what they made Super Mario Deluxe, Red version Mario stuff. Party Ten, um, you know Super Mario Party, but that was a whole new game, I guess. I guess it could be Mario Party. 10. I mean, they coming out with Red version, they coming out with Contra and all these other games Season on the Blade, 3DS the and edition. stuff. Yeah, and then you gotta pay like fifteen dollars. I'm like, bro, I can go download a whole emulator. I don't condone the piracy, but uh emulator popped up on my computer and the game popped up on there too miraculously but um i didn't download but <laughs> but yeah man so that's my that's my take on it bro i just i would just hope that they can just keep it like you said yeah what you uh, any any um any additional things you want to say about that josh um yeah and I, th I think that most people at this point have a big if not a big library of digital games you at least have uh, a history that you want to bring forward like you got you know got your playstation plus purchases or not pur purchases but like free games and stuff like that and so why would you just want to let go of that stuff and for them to no, sony to like ignore that it kind of sucks Obviously, everybody wants new games and want to see all the new games, but with new consoles, new games take a long time. They get delayed, and, you know, you might enjoy Spider-Man Day 1, 
But if nothing comes out interesting for a long time, then you, you know, gonna feel like you have nothing to play. So it's just better to have that history to go with it. And really, that's just what I want to hold on to. So we'll see. I'm probably going to hold on to my PS4 for a little while until Sony figures out what they're going to do to, like, you know, move stuff forward. If they do go ahead and move everything forward, then, yeah, I'll just get rid of the PS4 because there's no reason to keep it. No, no, no. To be clear, they are moving everything for the PS4 up. They don't. Well, want, yeah, that's They're not, what I mean. they're not like, saying that they're going to optimize. They said the top of 100 is going to be optimized, but they're not. They're, everything is coming forward. You're going to be able to play it immediately if you got the disc. I don't know about the digital stuff yet because they didn't talk about that. They said whatever you got on your, you know, digitally. I mean, physically, you any any game that you got PlayStation 4, it'll run it. They just didn't say it was going to run it well. They just said it's going to run. It's going to be able to run it though. It's because it's not going to be something where it's like the engine is going to be able to take care of it and understand that it's what the game it is and run it. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the PS3 and PS2 and like having that those games that people enjoyed from those eras. You know how you, how they bring forth. You know Xbox is doing them with bringing forward the 360 and the PS, Xbox games. Sony is not planning on doing anything like that. And their and their backwards compatibility stuff seems very strange. It's like their architecture, they keep updating it and changing it to the point where it's not fundamentally the same. So that way you don't get benefits of better speeds, better graphics, you know, up up up, you know, the upscaling and things like that, like the Xbox three sixty. Like plenty of games, I mean Xbox One, plenty of games that I play on my Xbox One that were on my Xbox 360 looks extremely um, a lot better just because of what they were doing behind the scenes to kind of lay the foundation. Sony hasn't got that foundation. Sony isn't trying to make that foundation. Sony just seems as if they're they're getting dragged into it because Xbox is doing it, you know? And they're not trying to support it in the most you know beneficial way for the consumer. They don't want to just come out and blatantly say, Everything is going to work. You, your stuff is going to work. You should be fine. They don't want to say that type of stuff, and it seems very, you know, dishonest to the customer. To the customer, where it's like a lot of, a lot of, you know, uncertainty. So that's why I always choose Xbox because I know what their message is, and their message is very clear at this point. Versus Sony's, their message is we still want to kind of kind of break up, break it up. We don't want you guys to be able to play everything all the time. So. That's what I'm more so referring to. I heard and they have confirmed that all games will work. They're just saying that they're not going to be optimized as the top 100 will be the ones optimized at first. It's like there's nothing stopping you from basically playing said games on the PlayStation 5. But they're just physical, not yeah. digital. Well, they, if that's the case, they haven't actually made that clear enough because. No, they haven't. Yeah, it's still confusing. And even still, like you said, there are a lot of games that are not um, coming forward. Like, for example, Sony likes to do the remasters. So they got the Demon's Soul remaster coming out uh, mm -hmm. at some point. Uh, that was a PS3 game. And that's great. It's going to look better. It's going to play better and things like that. But there are a lot of games that either are not ever going to get a remaster or it's going to mm -hmm. take forever to get a remaster. And, you know, there's a thousand plus games and there's like more than a hundred Sony first party games on or Sony paid for games on the PS3 so either I wait forever for them to get a remaster or they can offer some sort of way to play these older games just at a higher resolution because the hardware can do it um, that would be 
preferable if you can't invest all this money and time into remastering all these games because they got ps3 ps2 and ps1 games to worry about and like nobody really expects them to remaster every single one of those games yeah i think the preservation of games is very important just because of how technology is moving and how fast it's moving i feel like we're going to lose a lot of great games to the wayside because of you know not having this foundation and functionality in place but emulation like a good emulation of playstation 2 good emulation of playstation 1 i feel like there has to be some type of tools within that because stuff does you know stuff shit I mean sorry stuff gets old and um I feel like it's hard to try to keep up with all that old stuff. Like, I still want to be able to play Def Jam 5 from New York, and, and I don't want to hold on to my PlayStation 2. I hold on to that because I want to play NBA Street Volume 2 every now and again. I want to play uh, these type of games on there that I can only get here, and I like the fact that Microsoft is giving me the option to do that. Sony has way more games that I want to do that for, and yet I don't have the option to. And that's what I'm kind of concerned about. I really want them to give me a way to um, purchase these games and keep them in my discography or keep them in the um, in my library for forever. I really want that. And I think that's where gaming needs to go, just like PCs, where I don't need to purchase this game over and over again. And I think we are conditioned to feel that way. So I think with Microsoft doing it the right way and kind of making sure that we always going to have this this you know standard of moving forward whatever game you purchase you're going to be able, in the xbox family you're going to be able to play later on so i want that same mindset when i play games on playstation i want that same mindset when i buy games on there because if it's something that's a classic i'm more i'm more you know inclined to actually purchase it as a digital game versus buying it physical and it, it, it moves the agenda forward more because that that way you can cut out that you re, the resale market you can cut out a lot of the the um the cost for you know producing the said discs and stuff like that i think i think they they understand the 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 the, the um the actual market for you know um reuse games and they understand the market for remasters and taking old classics and bringing them to the new i think they understand that market i know they they, they, th they thrive on it sony and nintendo uh mostly because microsoft ain't got the discography or the, <laughs> the backlog to even do something like that and that's why they're more so pushing for the consumer which i'm glad i, I don't want microsoft to ever leave because if they left it'd be it'd be terrible I, honestly it'd be so bad they would get away with a lot of stuff because they are the only ones that's doing it. And Nintendo, obviously, plays by their own rules. PlayStation only is only is changing simply because Microsoft is in the state that it's in and is trying to you know win over customers. So competition is good. Um, and obviously, the PC has been around for forever. We get it. We understand that you guys are um, superior in every way. But I think that call this. <laughs> right i think that it having that type of um ha that type of experience on the consoles would be um pretty pretty darn beneficial um but due to time let's let's move forward here keep this podcast on the roll how we feeling halfway through how y'all feeling out there <laughs> check yeah quick check yeah how y'all doing y'all good uh, good yeah. I'm good. That, that's no crazy text. Lady ain't hounding you. I heard that dog bark. Here. 
Damn. Seeds for cone. That's fine. All right. But our uh, next topic here. Let's see. Uh, what was we? What was we? What was the next one? Next one. Oh, the N- Nvidia's three thousand series cards. Boy, oh boy. Um. So, <laughs> have y'all seen any coverage of this, or y'all like seen a lot of the information? What do you guys kind of um know about the three thousand series cards? I'm um, gonna we'll start with you, Jalen. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll start. Um, I watch Digital Foundry pretty regularly, even though I don't like really PC game like that. Um, I saw what they had to say about the NVIDIA stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it's mainly just their new graphics card for the next generation. It's going to have ray tracing, so games are going to look visually a lot better because of the lighting. And they'll have um, like AI um, enhanced features so that the game can adapt better with like frame rate or anti-aliasing so hopefully that card will be able to get you a lot more performance and graphical benefits than the past and not take as much like i guess cpu power um and everything looked really good um and so like a game like cyberpunk i would imagine looks will look and play amazing on it and um that's really setting the high bar for video games i guess for the next decade um, otherwise, it's it's a cheaper card, I guess, compared to other cards, but it's still five hundred dollars. So it's not in my uh, market. Yeah, six hundred dollars because just the card itself, not counting anything else, that's a lot. But I think it's worth it um, if you're really into you know best graphics and things like that. Okay. All right, did you did you see anything about it, Jalen? Before I before I shoot you out there, I I won't try to throw you on the bus. Nah. Man, I don't know nothing about the uh, PC uh, master race, the greatest people on the planet. I don't know nothing about none of that stuff. So all right, all right, uh, all right. I'm, I'm gonna well, keep it a buck. <laughs> well, I um, I I actually watched it live, right? And uh, uh what's his name? Jackie man, he was talking this stuff, bro. I ain't gonna hold you. So, um, I re- actually reacted to this because simply what they did was they said two two times the performance of a twenty eighty Ti. Twenty eighty Ti is the highest end card currently to date that you can purchase, and that thing runs around thirteen ninety nine. Three eighty thirty eighty. Um, that's six hundred dollars, and it's two times the power <laughs> so I, and that thing the 2080 ti came out two years ago so basically what they did was they just put disrespect on everybody that purchased like it was kind of like yeah you you paid this amount of money obviously people try to get it on sale things like that but that's how much they retail for that's how much they charge it was 12.99 that was retail two years ago to tell me that two years fast forward, two years later, y'all got something that's two times the power of my 2080 Ti, and it's six hundred dollars. What? What? What are you saying? Like, and then they're three thirty sixty or thirty sorry thirty seventy, 
is $400 and it's the same level as 2018. <laughs> so I just look and I'm thinking to myself like are y'all trying to get the this these people upset or do y'all not care? Do y'all not care that they literally just shell out? You know how people buy PCs, right? They do not upgrade often. When they purchase, they usually keep it for about 10 years or plus or whatever. Probably way longer than that than, than they should, actually. They try to, oh, I just bought that 1080 I don't care. I got this. I can do that. La, 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 la. To tell me that I just spent, you know, $12.99 on something, and then you come out with something that's $400, and it's the same level? Make that make sense, Jack. That's what kind of threw me, because... It, it seemed as if they wasn't going to make these types of leaps. Honestly, they're backing on a lot of their, you know, technology, like, uh, was it, deep learning super sampling, like uh, stuff that they use to kind of boost the functionality. But even raw power, it's significantly stronger than what they already have on market. Obviously, people haven't tested it, so I can't claim it. But that's their claims. And 9 times out of 10 is pretty close to what the claim is for them. To what you're going to get in real life it's not it's, it's sometimes if you guys it's different cpus stuff like that it's different things that you're going to come into play but most of the time you're going to be getting a, a certain amount of performance that you you know paid for and that's what they did so <laughs> i was just baffled by that honestly i just i didn't understand it i thought i i, I get that it's a great thing it's like it seemed as if they were they charge so much for their previous GPUs to take to do a 180 and charge so little makes me feel like these next gen consoles are going to be priced pretty low. I don't think they're going to be as significant as these um, GPUs, to be honest. I think they're going to come in around $500. Um, and this kind of it, it doesn't that just kind of tells me that we're in a different space. Um, you shouldn't be buying, in my opinion, you shouldn't be buying PCs anymore to last longer than two, three years, honestly. Um, you're going to have to upgrade. And if you want to have the new, latest and greatest, I'm saying, if you're okay with just not having latest and greatest, I think these leaps are going to get stronger. This hasn't, it hasn't been like a leap like this in since I would say like 13 years, but I don't think that it's going to get longer. I don't think it's going to be 16 years from now where we get a super, like a superior leap. I think that time frame is getting shorter and shorter due to the amount of technology we're, we're kind of creating. And basically, my, my, my thoughts is they put the Series X to shame. They put the, the PlayStation 5 to shame. And AMD is probably on suicide watch at this point. I don't see them coming out with something like their big Navi is what they're kind of as their GPU. I don't see them doing as good as NVIDIA. I don't see them putting as much power into it. I don't I don't see that that's going to be the case. They were already behind them before to, to jump two times the power of something that they were superior at in the first place. And that's not even talking about the 3090. The 3090 is the 8K <laughs> 60 frames per second machine. That's their replacement for the Titan. And the Titan is basically their, like their higher end performance, you know, like for doing like, you know, computing a lot of, you know, actual real work on it. You know, that was their, that was, that was, the, that was their GPU there. They're replacing that as well, the 3090. 
and that's just significantly stronger than the 3080 so it just but that one is that one is pretty expensive that one's 12.99 so or no it's actually 1500 dollars. so um that's 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 kind of around the prices i was expecting for a little less performance and that's not what we got this time we got a very significant jump in um pc graphics and being able to you know function and play games at 4k 120 frames no problem so i mean it, it, it tells me good news for the series x and the playstation 5 maybe that technology is cheaper maybe they was able to get it for a cheaper price maybe they were able to get these gpus and things like that to to run at a cheap coming at a lower end price but yeah bro i know everybody that bought a 2080 ti two weeks ago they butthurt i know they are that's that's like that's just like a slap in the face obviously they knew that this stuff was coming but to come and then showcase it in that way, it hurts. I know it hurts. I know that hurts because it's just like, I don't care what nobody say. Like, yeah, I just, I use that as my secondary PC. Don't worry about it. These people buy PC parts and they keep them forever. They do not upgrade. They're not like Xbox. They're not like console players. They keep their stuff for a very long time. People still rocking 1080 Ti's. People still rocking 1080. So, I understand it. I, I get where they're where where they where the mindset stands. Those cars that they just announced aren't even usually the the go to cars. They usually are waiting for the thirty sixty, I believe that it is thirty sixty, yeah. And that's where it comes into like the uh I, I forget how what the price like three hundred bucks range. And that's what people usually kinda go for. So it's just it, it was just hilarious to me. I just thought it was pretty funny because it was just like the the price difference and the significance of that difference was so you know jarring and 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 Nvidia didn't care. I mean, obviously they didn't care. They just wanted you to have more performance, but ain't nobody they not they not doing no returns. They not saying hey, if you just bought one, <laughs> you get your money back. I mean, people only had it for two years. Imagine buying like a imagine buying an Xbox One X. And then two years later, something coming out with four times the power. And it's like, but I just bought this one. How long y'all going to hold on? To how? But it's, it's like, I just bought this one, though. I just saved up, bro. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm telling you, I just paid for this one. Did somebody pay $500, $600 come and they got two, they got way more power than me? That don't make no sense. But yeah i mean the that's the old cars are still gonna work like and it will still get updates and have those same ai enhanced features like that's what the people been testing nowadays on the the 2080 um cards but i think moreover i don't think most people will be like mad about it because if you think of it like the auto industry like you you know you buy the best high-end car today and then in two years you know they have a faster version of the car like it when technology moves that fast that's something that you got to like account for it's not about value it's about i have the best thing today and tomorrow if there's a new best thing i want the best thing um but overall i just think like you say amd they're gonna have a hard time even competing because they they're behind in that same technology and even if they catch up they're gonna have to compete with that price which i don't think they'll be able to do no i don't i think that they're gonna have i don't think that big navi is ready for that smoke that they just gave i think that is 
obviously that they're using DLS and DLS, DLSS and all their, their ray tracing and all their, you know, tension cores and all that stuff or tensor cores or whatever. But I think that the technology they have behind NVIDIA is far superior than AMD's at this point. And I don't know if they're going to actually have the software to kind of keep up. Even because it's not as if their technology is getting significantly better. Yes, they have more cores. Yes, they have more things like that. But their software is starting to become more of the presence. Obviously, before when you had the ray tracing and you had the the, the super sampling, now those are at the forefront even more. That's how they're able to achieve 8K gaming at 60 frames per second. A lot of games when they were showcasing it off on a 3090. So I think that on top of them having to be able to sell their hardware at a cheaper price they have to come up with software that can compete so that they can supplement the hardware's price you know what i'm saying because the hardware they can't just go apples to apples with the hardware and be like we're going to be better than you because they're not just using hardware they're using software on top of that hardware so not only do they have to you know develop their software they have to have to develop hardware that can compete so that's where I feel like they're going to be probably, they're going to get left behind, um, in my opinion. And that's why I think maybe AMD's, um, the stuff that they're doing for the consoles is what they're kind of, they're basing their architecture off of. And they're kind of going to have, um, they're probably going to have some decent, you know, work, something in the works or it's going to be decent, but to, to, to be able to be on the scalability of NVIDIA, it may be something down the line, maybe three years or from now or something like that, not come this month. They're supposed to be dropping something this month, so we will see. But it was definitely a surprise. It was it was just interesting watching the reactions, people just, you know, dying laughing, all the memes and all that stuff. It was just hilarious to me because I don't, I'm not the only one that feel that way, but I just... I saw the, I saw the, the interesting, I was just like, that's a lot of, that's a lot of money to be lost in a quick amount of time. And it's, and they don't usually do that. Like the 1080 Ti is still viable and it still can get to where the 2080 could be. But for it to jump that significantly, it basically, it just basically puts you on notice that 1080 Ti's are, aren't that good no more. The 2080 Ti's, the resale market they're trying to settle things at twelve hundred dollars. They they just cut everybody cut their prices to five hundred because at this point you're gonna lose money if you try to hold on to those cars for any longer because that once these other cars drop, thus become useless. So eBay go crazy, um, Facebook you know resale going crazy. But it was just interesting to I see. I wonder how how, um, how available those cards are because Nvidia does usually have shortages for a while when those new cards come out. They're probably so not going to have as many available as they people that people aren't able to get them, especially for six hundred dollars. They're gonna be flying off the shelf. Right. The tw- the that one comes out the soonest. Uh, the twenty the thirty eighty, the thirty seventy comes out after, um, and then the thirty ninety. The thirty ninety comes out after the 3080 because they're going to drop they're going to drop the, the highest end ones first and then the 3070 is the last one and that's what people probably mostly go for um but yeah it's going to be interesting to see and i think they're undercutting um xbox as well because these consoles i mean if you if you're if your your expectation at first was that these consoles were going to be a little bit more powerful than the pcs when it comes to like software 
like the like the like the SSDs and like the uptime and all of that stuff and not pure you know you know uh pure power 2080 Ti still kind of beating it but most people out there wasn't rocking the 2080 Ti they were had a lower end had like less end cards and they had like the 20 like the 20 I think the 20 2080 Super or 2060 I don't know i don't know these conventions anymore 2070 so one of these one of those and they had those type of cards where they just came out like not even a year ago so i think people are were you know planning on buying these uh consoles to kind of use that as their gaming i don't think that they uh i don't think they put too much of a dent in it but i definitely think people that were buying a xbox series x they may just upgrade their CPU. I mean, I mean their GPU. They may just upgrade that and call it quits because that's something that's going to be on par with a 2080 Ti at a very cheap price. So, hopefully, that's good news for the Series X and the um, PlayStation 5 being cheap. Uh, I hope that they are going to be cheaper because that's not only are you now dealing with you know the competition of consoles, but you're also dealing with the GPU being extremely cheap and um, obviously that's not the only cost, but you get my drift. Um, but moving forward, uh, any last thoughts about that? Any thoughts about GPUs and um, you know the PC? Man, we we getting in on PC gaming this gen, uh, Jayla. Man, what you what you talking about? <laughs> I just, yeah, uh, it's uh, um, it's interesting. I say that it's very interesting. Um, I've been yeah. I, I ain't dropping twelve hundred on a car for it to be obsolete in you know <laughs> twenty four months. <laughs> so I'm gonna stick with my PlayStation. <laughs> I guess you're right. It ain't gonna be obsolete, but it's just it's just disrespectful. That's why I say I say it's disrespectful. I don't care how 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 much or how much I got out of it. I think it's disrespectful for you to drop the price that much. Y'all been upticking them for forever. And now you drop the price significantly. And you give me two times the power. Come on, not bro. That, that's a slap in the face. But uh, moving on ooh, 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 to the topic most at hand, <laughs> the best topic of the day. Uh, my boy Big Sean dropped that album Detroit Two. Obviously, I'm a uh, well. It's not obvious, but I'm a Detroit native. And um, let me let me hear from my let me hear from these boys here, cause I don't know what they thinking, and they've been real uh, they were real shady about it. Let me hear from you, Jalen. What you got? Go ahead, Josh. Nah, Josh ain't listen to it. He obviously <laughs> nah, said he got I, I talked about the PC stuff because I was familiar with it. You gotta talk about this one. Uh, yeah, yeah, Josh, Josh, Josh caught the police. Man, man, I talked about the PCs, man. <laughs> you know, I ain't getting them. That's just why. Uh, shoot, uh, I listened to it. I think I listened to all the songs on there. Um, like, I always felt like, all right, I'm, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just kick it a hundred. Like, I always felt like Big Sean was a good rapper. Um, I felt like he always had. Uh, I felt like he was like a conscious rapper. Like, I ain't talking like a like a J Cole conscious, but he was like, he he wasn't. He wasn't like uh, mainstream ish, like esque. Like he didn't need to talk about like the drugs and all that type of stuff, which I always respected about him. He always had bars and stuff. The only thing I couldn't really rock with Big Sean was um, I didn't always like his beats and stuff. I, I got like some Big Sean songs on my uh, 
like music library and stuff. Don't get me wrong. Like I don't, I don't hate him. I just, I, I never really liked some of the, uh, some of the beats he had. He had some decent songs on there. These songs that I'm finna just like cut on. But like, man, I'm really finna go listen to this song today. I mean, probably not. Um, I'm not from Detroit either. Some of the um, insight that people live in Detroit, you know, Detroit, they got their own culture and stuff like that. Um, most people I interacted with or seen like on Instagram or something like that, they really like the album, which is cool. Um, I would decide to give it a fair shot. It was cool. I mean, I ain't, it was a couple songs on there. I was like, I ain't gonna really listen to. Um, I did like, uh, I think it was like Friday Night Cipher or Friday Cipher or something like that, where he put like a lot of the Detroit rappers on. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people like Cash Kid, you know what I'm saying, all that type of stuff. But like, some of the, I'm not like a huge Detroit rap type person because some of them mostly rapping to beat. They like, yeah, we took your girl and we get some like they just like they need to sh- shove a like a stanza with a bunch of words and I'm like, bro, just relax, like it's cool. Yeah, um, you on beat, bro. That's the best thing. Yeah, that's the thing. My cousin he argue he my cousin from Detroit he argue up and down, but like he is on beat, bro. Like I'm like, no, he he the the. If you know anything about poetry, this one got seven syllables. This next one got like thirteen syllables, bro. Like he he shoved them in there. Like they not on beat. But anywho, um, so like I said, he has some good songs on there. Um, I like this some of like the messages and stuff he spit. Um, like always, I just didn't like some of the beats on some of the songs. I think my favorite song on there was probably I liked the song with Don Kennedy. Uh, I think that's still I rise. Um, was that, was that, uh, Still I Rise with Don Kennedy? Yeah, that's the outro, yeah. Um, The Baddest was good. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't, he, he, he got like 20-some songs on there, so I don't know him. It was like two more other songs that was straight that I would keep on there, but I kept, I was just like, I heard that J. Cole song not too long ago, that Lion King on Ice. I'm like, man, I gotta go listen to this again real quick, man. I'm gonna come back to Big Sean, like... <laughs> But uh no, nah, but the the album the album was straight though, man. Like like I said, I'm I'm not the biggest Big Sean fan. I decided to give it a fair shot. Um, I did was I was listening to some like Body Language. He had that crazy girl in there. His uh girlfriend, she ain't crazy, but his his girlfriend uh what's her name? Jean Aiko, Janae Aiko, Janae, yeah, whatever. Uh, Janae, yeah, yeah, my bad. Um, no disrespect, but um, she said something like. Some, 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 and then she was talking about like breaking his meat. I was just looking like, man, what? I had to, I had to cut the song off, bro. I was just like, yeah, cut the music, dude. Oh, you got to go to the next song. I'm like, right? <laughs> when she said that, dude, I was just looking like, man, all right, bro, we get it. And I just had to cut the song off. But um, yeah, it was cool though. I give it a, a like a, a seven point five out of ten. Oh, all right, all right. It ain't it ain't burn my speakers up on my phone like it's supposed to. It's supposed to catch this mug on fire, man. I'm I'm using my phone right now. It ain't on fire. So, but like I said, it was a it was it was solid, man. Like I ain't I say like a seven point five eight out of ten. Just not now. These individuals ain't that the biggest Big Sean fans, obviously, but um. And uh, I just wanted to, I wanted to hear their opinion without, you know, knowing my opinion. Obviously, if they they understand some of the 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 messages I was sending in our our group chat, they'll probably understand where I'm at with it anyway. But I just wanted to hear them honestly. Just tell me 
you know, what they thought about that the the album that came out. Now, uh, Josh, you said you didn't listen to anything, right? Uh, no, I haven't listened to it. All right. So Josh doesn't have an opinion at this point in time. So I'm gonna just go through, and um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just go track by track. It don't really matter because it, I got some time left. So uh, why would I stop? That's that. That's that intro. That's that. That's that heat for you right there. That's the um. He he basically was just you know getting some, getting that simple stuff off his chest that people were doubting him. People thought he was a, wasn't that good of a rapper, and 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 things like that. So he kind of just had a a hard hitting intro where he just went bar for bar on that. Lucky me uh, was the next song that was kind of like a. Uh, uh, like three, three things in one kind of felt like it was where he kind of the perspective of him being lucky to still be alive, him having gone through some crazy things and reflecting on that. And then he started talking about how he was just in general lucky for certain things that have happened to him. Like he was lucky me as in like he's leading this, but it's like a, like a terrifying kind of deal. Um, the way he was talking about it, where he's he's nervous that he's lucky that he has it, but he's it's also just kind of like a a pressure as well. And then he kind of reflected on the end about again his entire journey. So it, it was like three different type of messages in that one song where he talked about it and in a different way, but it was kind of like from a different perspective each time. Um, lucky me, probably third favorite. I say uh, favorite song on this album at this point, it would still have to be um, hmm. the baddest. Yeah, the baddest had to be it because I'm from Detroit natively and go Godzilla is like I used to listen to that type of music a lot. And I was like, damn, is his, his name Godzilla? The, oh, the I was looking the... up Godzilla. I'm like, who is Godzilla? <laughs> No, Godzilla, like the monster, that's the normal theme song. And then in Detroit, people used, they had a song where they remixed it for people who would go dance. And so if you ever see people jitting and stuff like that, that's the type of music that they would dance to. Wait, so I, I, what was the name of the DJ? I thought his name was... I Godzilla. don't remember the DJ. Dang. Because the actual song, the original sample, is the literal Godzilla theme song. I could have sworn his name was DJ Godzilla. Gazia. They they call it Gazia. <laughs> no, it's Godzilla. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming is it DJ? Is DJ Assault? I don't know. Hmm. Anyways, he mixed it on his album, and I used to do that. I it was like a jit. It basically it was a dance, but it was basically where we would play in the dance halls, and it just took me back to a presence of of older Detroit and me having a good time and just enjoying. Detroit for what it was or my childhood for what it was it was like a good standout point for me when I went to junior prom and uh well junior like homecoming and then me going to my sister like a little she had a my mom ran out a dance hall and they was able to actually you know invite friends over and they invite friends to that and um yeah it was just a good time it was like it reminded me of moments in Detroit of where that where that would happen same thing with body language um it was body language was 
I, I forget the artist's name, but it was Soulful, Soulful Moaning is the song. And it was a song that I heard my mom play a lot. And I heard, I never heard my dad play it because he wasn't into that type of music. But um, I did hear my mom play it quite a lot. And I, it just reminded me of another time in Detroit, which I thought it was a song that people, a lot of people knew. But, you know, when I, when I started talking to my wife about it, talking to my friends, and some people just didn't hear that song before. So it was another, another nod to um, Detroit that I just enjoyed about the, the music. And I, and I honestly don't think you need to know, just understand the references to still enjoy those songs but it having those references did make it feel a lot more special when you did hear it no um, I, I can uh i can see that like i felt like um that's what made some of kanye uh music i mean these are more so samples rather than references but uh um kanye kind of had he might have a little bit of references more so like samples um and going off topic a little bit uh logic his album that had came out I tried listening to that all the way through to see what he was talking about. It was it was straight, um, but he had like a lot of little samples and uh, references and stuff like that that I thought was kind of it make it a little bit more appealing. Um, so I could see people from Detroit that can resonate with it. You know, it's about their hometown, which you probably a little bit more connected to. Um, it might hit a little bit closer to home than somebody hearing like a sample or um, referencing like a different song or something like that. So I can I can see that. Yeah. And then, so, I think I think I was jumping around, but the third track was uh, Deep Reverence, Deep Deep Reverence with uh, Nipsey Hussle. That was one of the singles they put out before the album dropped. It was obviously, it's just good to hear Nipsey Hussle kind of rap again, but the song still uh, was elevated by messages that, you know, Big Sean was putting at the end of it. Um, and it was just a overall, in general, a pretty good song as well uh wolves with post malone that was another song i i did not enjoy at first when i first hear first heard it i rather would have had post malone sing the hook entirely versus big sean singing portions of it because i don't like sean's singing voice um i don't think it's a good one so i would rather what? him <laughs> i Man, would you rather actually saying something he can't do Bro, he can't sing. I don't know why he thought that. Like when he sing on Time In and he sung on um, with Time In with with Janae twenty eighty eight. It was some songs on there I just couldn't listen to because I'm like, bro, I don't want to hear you cringe. I don't want to hear this song. I'd rather hear you just you know spit. And some people, you mean you be honest with your favorite rappers. This, this is my favorite rapper, but honesty is, I don't think he's a good singer. Um, he's not like a Drake. I think a lot of people try, but it doesn't come off right. And, um, yeah, I think he has, he, he kind of created a wave of that where it was kind of melodic and singing like that, but he's not that great at it. So it, it never, you know, um, exceeded my expectations anytime at all. So I don't like the, the singing portion of Sean, but he doesn't sing for long. He just goes for bars after that. And then Post Malone kind of finishes it up. Um, but yeah, I really wish Post Malone would have did the whole singing portion of that song. But Wolves is still a good song for me. Body Language with Ty Dolla Sign and Janae Aiko. Ty Dolla Sign killed it. He was the one singing. Uh, Big Shine had a very, you know, man, I don't know when he starts the... <laughs> it, it was a good verse. It's just the, the, the actual, uh, 
I would say the actual um, and the, the topics that they were talking about is body language. Obviously, is a sexual song. I wasn't. I'm not that interested in it, but I appreciate Ty Dolla Sign and Janae Aiko's Partions. Um, Big Sean rapping about it. Fine. I, I I can definitely understand and take it. So that's fine with me. It was a, an overall great song just for those and then the sampling of so uh soulful moaning definitely elevated that for me as well aside from the part where she said she something about breaking the meat man that's 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 janae getting off i enjoy janae's music janae has a <laughs> way of delivering her line that i enjoy so i'm totally fine with it she's more in the realm of SZA and stuff like that for me so i enjoy SZA. i enjoy her Fine. Man, that's not appealing though. Like if, if somebody walked up and told me that, like a girl told me, I'd be looking like, "It's not you appealing to you, <laughs> but it's still appealing to some, and it's definitely something that, I mean, I feel like men do it all the time, so I, I don't understand why women can't. So I don't really care. Uh, story by Dave Chappelle, obviously, is just story about him being with Danny Brown and um, smoking some weed and then going out there and getting booed. But it was still a, it, it kind of you know it, he did the same thing with the Detroit. And uh, simply put, I mean, it was still like a, a good break in, breaking up the monogamy and kind of giving you an understanding of more about Detroit and its flavor. Um, Harder Than My Demons, probably one of my uh, another one of my top songs that's on here. It's just him going bar for bar. It's just him spitting. It really didn't have any like hook to it. It was just him, you know, doing what he do best, in my opinion. That's just giving bars. Uh, everything that's missing was another song that had like a really strong messaging behind it and it was kind of how you simply you know you, you're in this rat race and you're trying to chase a lot of stuff that you don't necessarily need then at the end of it when you do succeed and you have it you pretty realize that you pretty much everything that you already already had is what you're pretty much missing so he he wrapped it up in a very strong way he cut the beat at the end and it kind of just resonated with you even more that simply you you know going through all these motions and your ups and downs and you're trying to get through to something to realize that you lost a lot of stuff that you you wanted in the first place um but it's the, it's definitely a great song i definitely like Dwelle's, you know the voice on it it was pretty good then the uh ztfo uh that's probably the only thing i skipped <laughs> I don't like it, uh, but I mean, that's Big Sean. It kind of reminded me a lot of the songs that he had on, uh, what was that? Double or Nothing with Metro Boomin. Uh, ZTFO just, it just didn't resonate with me. It was just more so of him, you know, rapping, but it wasn't really saying much in my opinion. Then it was just more so about his energy and kind of keeping that guarded. Um, I think Harder Than My Demons kind of did a better job of doing that. Where it had a message, but it was definitely just bars. Overall, he still had a lot of bars in there that I listened to and I actually state. Um, but I didn't enjoy the song overall. Then uh, he had a lot of songs on his mug. <laughs> yeah, I was about to I say, like, you finna bro, go through all these, man? Yeah, it's 22 songs. Guard <laughs> your heart. Guard your heart is probably one of my favorites. Anderson Pack did a really good job of just singing on that. Early Mac and Wale you know delivered a pretty really good um much needed versus um in my opinion big sean as well but guard your heart really just kind of um it's kind of the state of mind that you a lot of people are in right now and just you know protecting your emotions and your and your and stuff like that so i think that that song 
definitely elevated the the album for me where it had a lot of gems in it and it had a lot of things where it just felt as if he was speaking from the heart and it was speaking from a place that everybody kind of are it's kind of like it was just going through all his ups and downs really it was just showcasing that on a higher level um respect it was just sean getting off with you know young thug and, and just kind of riding a beat and discussing you know earning that respect kind of respecting what he does and what he brings to the table so not much you know substance there but it was definitely a song that i enjoyed to listen to which you don't always need substance sometimes you just need some hits and that was one of the that was baddest for me as well um lithuania with travis scott um that was a grower for real uh that one i did not enjoy at first but it was something I, you know, after, I think it's the Travis Scott effect. I'm just tired of hearing Travis. Um, but once I just, you know, let Travis do Travis, it's found like a Travis song versus an actual Big Sean song featuring Travis. And that's why I don't like about it. Travis kind of dominates uh, everything that he puts his, his, his voice on. So it just seemed like he's doing it over and over again. And it's like a downgrade from what he had put on his album. But I think it was overall a good song. I think Big Sean did a good job of just coming in and out of that song without sounding um, like overpowering of it. I think he should have did a little bit more of that. We should have heard him more. But he read he he was able to ride the beat as well and kind of keep up with the cadence of uh, Travis on that. Full circle with Diddy and Key Wayne. That was good. I I'm not I, I I wouldn't say I loved it, but it was definitely a, just another one of those songs about you know reflecting on how you know karma comes around. And it was just again, it was more messaging. Like I said, the whole point of this, you know, uh, Detroit Two is on the messaging behind it. I really didn't want to just hear from him, and I didn't want to just get good beats and some nice bars i actually wanted to hear a message and i think a lot of these songs had a lot of messages behind them and he actually delivered them with some you know witty bars uh time in was 2088 i did not enjoy that that's him just trying to sing um i enjoyed janae's part but not not big sean's story about erica badu she was just being weird on that but she was she had another story <laughs> she was she was just you know i don't know if she was trying to hypnotize us through the the the, the mic or whatever but yeah it's just one of her stories um feed was another good one and it was just kind of you know discussing how i mean what i got from that is him you know trying to discuss how he is um providing back it was kind of like he was he was trying to showcase how he actually um you know feeds or feeds his energy feeds his his community feeds a lot of different things in his life so it it, it was another one of those good songs that i will replay over and over just to hear the messaging behind it the baddest is just hard hitting one of my favorite songs on the album dying life another hard hitting favorite song on the album friday night cypher I don't know. They just went crazy on that. And it's a lot of quotables on there. Cash Kid went crazy. Cash Style went crazy. T Grizzly went crazy. I really enjoyed Royce's. Eminem had a good verse. But, you know, as usual, it's kind of like he didn't join the. 
he didn't he didn't mix well but he definitely went off so um story with stevie wonder that was a good story you just trying to talk about how you already you know got you know you you already have a lot of gifts that you you are born with you don't really have to um chase anything you already just have to you know showcase it you don't have to chase anything you are already wealthy when you when you're born essentially and then still i rise with dom kennedy it just kind of uh solidified the album it, outro was basically you still overcoming i sound like it was more so the uplifting that 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 what you've done still you know showcasing that um even with even with don kennedy coming in at the beginning just like look at all the souls i saved and it was kind of his messaging and it was cool and i think the album overall was very it was more cohesive than i thought it was going to be i thought he was going to have a lot of flavors in here but it just seemed as if it was just showcasing a lot of ups and downs and kind of what living in detroit is and what living anywhere is in poverty so overall man i really enjoyed the album and i'm glad he actually put out a good body of work because it was looking shaky there i mean it in my opinion it um it pushes him to a different level but i mean other people can feel uh however however they feel about it but in my opinion he was in a space of I don't know. It wasn't lackluster, but it wasn't always great. Um, this here just kind of helps him put more on his resume, more his, and that basically stating that he's a pretty phenomenal rapper. He's very conscious about what he's saying. He doesn't try to waste bars and just talk. He actually is putting thought behind what he's saying. So that did showcase very well in the album. And uh, I, re I, I really do want to hear what you have to say about it, Josh, as well. Once you actually listen to it um yeah i mean i might listen to it based on what you said about the things about detroit and like the nostalgia with it because it's good to hear that type of stuff from someone from your same uh background and not just like someone from drake who you know you feel like why would they use this style when you don't have any connection to it or something like that um for me i just never was feeling Big Sean too much because in the past he especially in the beginning he had the typical Detroit rapper flow but I felt like he was not very deep um, and so if he's gotten better over time and like his I would say his rapping ability and like um, cadence and flow has gotten better over time he doesn't just sound um, like Jalen said just trying to fit a bunch of syllables and stuff that doesn't make sense into your uh your verse um so yeah i mean i'll check it out um i it's a lot though. would say that yeah it's a long album which is fine um if the message and stuff is good then i probably stick to it more because i'm not really as interested into just like hits or bangers um because royce also had a really good album earlier this year and that was all about a message as well so if Sean can, on the songs that he does do that stuff, if he can do it, then I'll probably listen to it more. Yeah, I feel like he did that very well with, you know, Still I Rise, um, uh, Full Circle, uh, Guard Your Heart, uh, Everything That's Missing, Heart and My Demons, uh, Deep Reverence, uh, Lucky Me, and um, 
and why would I stop his intro I think those were the ones that really had like a very strong and well put together cadence of like a, like a song um, and the rest of them definitely feed as well but those were the ones that I kind of resonate more I go back to and I, I just want to listen to that message again like on guard your heart and um, still I rise because he just he talks for a while on the still I rise this outro but he just kind of have a message behind it too and then um, yeah but overall man I've been playing this drunk all weekend um, I I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not someone that's just blind to somebody being bad at us at rapping. I'm not someone that that blatantly just be like, no, it's still good. No, I wouldn't do that. So <laughs> I decided I did not play often because I didn't enjoy it. And um I went to playing double or nothing more. And that was the, that was the like small snippet he threw out with just Metro. I didn't like his concept album as much as he wanted us to like it. I uh, didn't feel like the concept album. So um, I can critique him, and I'm not biased, but uh, he's still one of my favorite rappers just because of his flow and his style and his, so, his messaging. Wait, so you you saying, so you did like the Detroit album, though? I liked the Detroit, too. I didn't like this. I Decided. Oh, okay, I got you. I Decided was this one previous to this one, and uh, Dark Sky Paradise was my... Um, at this point, I'm a second favorite because I think Dark Detroit Two is is going to probably dethrone that one. But um, yeah, that's the only one I listen to, and I ain't like it. Yeah, I mean, you might more, you might, you might appreciate. I decided more honestly, but I don't. I didn't appreciate it. I didn't like it. Uh, it had it had some messages in there, and I just was like, I I really wasn't listening. I wasn't looking for this from you, honestly. I was looking for more bars. And that's what Double or Nothing was. And this one kind of has more bars as well as a message behind it. So it's probably one of the most, you know, well-rounded albums he had put out. I think my favorite song that I got from Big Sean is, uh, what's that song called? Uh, is it called Light? I think it's on I, I Decided. Yeah, it's on I Decided Light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, uh, that's <laughs> Dream. Uh, yeah, whoever. Yeah. Wait, I thought it was Jeremiah. I thought it was Dream. You talking about that? Uh-huh. We can't take away the light. Eh? They can't stop the shine. Yeah, I remember that song. Man, let me see who made that song. Yeah, the boy at Bright. Even with the take away the light, they can't take the so, light. So who's your rapper that you're going to uh, defend up and down like Deontay do, Jalen? <laughs> Man, I'm going to defend. Uh, Man, is it Kanye? Just... Man, you know how I died for Kanye, man. Oh, it was Maya, this yeah. So what was Dream on? Oh, he was on Sunday morning jetpack. Yeah. Sunday morning jetpack. Like I said, I think I decided had it had yeah, man. I mean, I just didn't like it. I don't know. I didn't like it. But uh I liked it some I liked like I like like five songs on there. So but cohesively it was like Detroit to Detroit the mixtape the beginning mixtape his very first one uh that was one that I really didn't skip any songs on and that was a mixtape and this is kind of like the the second coming of that but um yeah Detroit the whole that whole vibe I think he captured a lot of that stuff with us and like Decipher 
um, so I enjoyed it. I know that um, I know that uh, it's probably something that would hopefully get more uh, get him give him some more roses than what he's previously been getting. But yeah, that's my spiel on him. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, that's talking too much about Bishan. Uh, but we are over time at this point. Um, we definitely do it. Hope you enjoyed the the conversation. Uh, y'all got any lasting things y'all want to talk about or say? Sorry. Uh, just make sure y'all open minded and go listen to that uh, album. <laughs> Josh, not just play. <laughs> not just talking. Uh, uh, no, no, just uh, you know, thank you for spending his time with us, and um, uh, we're gonna have some more. What's the next one in two weeks? Yeah, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, getting closer weeks. and closer to these nine um, updated council days. Yeah, so yeah, hopefully, you start getting some news, some news, <laughs> some, <laughs> get some news out this mug. But yeah, I want to tell us what we ain't, <laughs> ain't. no. <laughs> what we ain't gonna do but uh this is the house of wolves podcast uh i want to thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you guys in the next one